We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This morning we're talking about the kingdom of God. Last week I talked to you about the fact that the kingdom of Satan is ruling in this world. And today we want to talk about the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. We need to understand that. We need to understand the kingdom of God really is a kingdom of power. It's you and I in the church who have failed to recognize that and walk in that power that's available to us. Matter of fact, when you read the words of Jesus, some of the last words he says to his disciples was after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me. He tells us what we're going to get and why we're going to get it. No, power is not just so we can build a name and a reputation. The power of God is so that men who don't know him will be convinced to turn to him and ask them to forgive them of his sins. That's the reason. You can read it in Mark chapter 16. He said, you will do mighty things in my name. Cast out demons, lay hands on the sick. They will recover. If any harmful thing comes to you, it will not affect you. That's the promise and it's a promise of power. Our text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And when we read that passage of Scripture, so many people have problems with its correct interpretation. But we need to read it in context and understand it in context. The context of that chapter is that John the Baptist, who was the predecessor of Jesus Christ, the one who was calling, prepare ye the way of the Lord, for the Messiah is coming, the Savior is coming, had been imprisoned. He was awaiting his execution. And in that moment, John began to doubt what he already knew. Have you ever been in that place where you doubted what you knew? Because circumstances seemed to say something else, so he doubted what he knew. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world. But when he's facing his own death, he began to doubt that thing that he knew. So he sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus, and they said to him, John wants us to know, are you the one, or do we ask for another? Are you the Messiah, or do we look for someone else? And in that context, Jesus began to say these words. You go back, go back and tell him, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised, the gospel is preached to the poor. Great things are happening. Tell him to go back and read Isaiah one more time. Tell him to remember the words of Luke 4 when I stood in the synagogue and declared, I am he that has come. Tell him to remember what he knows. And it's in that context that you find our text verse this morning, verse 12. For it says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent Take it by force. Now, if you read any number of commentaries, you're going to find a million different uh, thoughts on this particular verse of Scripture, mainly because it doesn't fit with our ideology of modern Christianity, mainly because we have come to believe that the church of Jesus Christ is a place of peace and joy and kumbaya, mainly because we simply want to sit around and hold hands and sing gospel songs and feel good about ourselves and then go out and not change the world. Mainly because we have bought the lie that whatever you do in the church is A-OK, just don't take it outside of the church. Well, I've come to tell you this morning the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. It was prophesied and it was promised by Jesus Christ. 
Anything less than a demonstration of God's power in our lives on a regular basis is subverting the kingdom of God and the message of the kingdom of God. People around the world need to know there is a God whose name is Jesus, who not only lived, but died. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He conquered hell, death, and the grave. There is no force. There is no oppression. There is no enemy that can stand against the power of a living God. Oh, I've got news for you. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of the Lord. Power to break every chain. Power to set men free. Power to turn lives around. Power to deliver from destruction. Power to break every bondage and addiction. There is power in the name of Jesus. But until we come to understand the kingdom of God suffers violence, what that means is there will be attacks against the kingdom of God. We have a very real enemy. Too many of us are sitting in this little bubble thinking that it's okay as long as I get by. I've got news for you. The devil is after you. We have a very real enemy. You need to stand up and recognize it. It's time to stop sitting down and giving up. And it's time to stand up and fight for the kingdom of God. It's time to grow a backbone and a spine and say, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. And I don't care what happens. I don't care who doesn't like it. I'm pursuing him. And when the enemy comes in, I'm going to believe then like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. Why is the church minimized in our society today? Because we've walked away from the power of God. We don't want to offend anyone. Listen, the gospel in and of itself is offensive to those who don't know Jesus Christ. We want to be friends with everybody. Do you remember our text from last week from Matthew chapter 12? Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. You need to understand you've got to determine whose side you're on in the kingdom of God. And if you're going to be on the side of the Lord, the victor, the conqueror, the champion, then don't be afraid. But move out in the power of God. You and I are engaged in a war. And we need to understand that this morning. We need to understand that our war is not against flesh and blood. That's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. He said, even though we live in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For our war is not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness against spiritual wickedness in high places, casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's our war, folks. My war is not with you. My war is not with Islam. My war is not with unbelievers. My war is with the force that drives those things that's in opposition to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Someone said to me this week, why can't we all just get along in the world? Why can't the Islamic people get along with the Christians? Do you not understand this is a war? And anything that's opposite to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are at war against. Doesn't mean that I hate Muslims. Not at all. I love them. God loves them. God wants to save them. But it means I'm not going to embrace that ideology. I'm not going to embrace that twisted, perverted theology. I'm not going to walk down the road and say, oh, I love you like my brother because you're not my brother. We're brothers through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can someone hear and understand what I'm saying this morning? We have got to come to the place where we understand we're in war. But a lot of us don't get that. I remember the first year I was in Bible school. 
And I'd only been saved a couple of years when I felt called into the ministry and went to school to prepare for ministry. And I was in a Theo 1 class, a Theology 1 class. And about halfway through the semester, there's this couple that sat in front of me. They weren't married, just a guy and a girl that were boyfriend and girlfriend. And I noticed they had a stormy relationship almost from day one. You know, you could see the anger and the irritation going on between them. One day, about halfway through that semester, this thing escalated. And he actually yelled at her and said something that was very, very derogatory. So I thought, man, I'm going to speak to him after class. You can't do that. So after class, I walked out in the hallway, and he had her pushed up against the wall. And he was getting ready to clock her. I stepped right between him. He hit me in the chest. And because I hadn't been saved very long, I wasn't very sanctified. You know what I mean? So I took that cat and I grabbed him by the throat and shoved him up against the wall and said, nobody lays hands on a woman in front of me. And the old Steve Dow wanted to beat him to death. You know what I mean? Just absolutely put one on him. After I graduated, I went on and became an evangelist and traveled throughout churches throughout the Midwest and Southwest for three years. And during that time, I began to learn what spiritual warfare really was. That my fight really wasn't with that dude in the hallway outside of uh, the classroom at CBC. My fight was with the force that was driving him. And even though I didn't understand it at that time, I came to realize it as I ministered and preached in churches and saw all kinds of things occur through the power of the Spirit of God. So a few years later, I was pastoring the first church I pastored in southern Kansas, a little town called Arkansas City. I got a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, and this is what the lady said. Pastor, I wanted to call you instead of the police. That's not a good call you want to get, ever. <laughs> Called you instead of the cops. Not a good call I want to get. So I got up at 3 a.m., drove across town, which took seven minutes in that little town. Knocked on her door, and this little grandma let me in. And as the door opened, her grandson, who was high on something and full of the devil, came rushing at me with a butcher knife, and he tried to... Hold it against my stomach. Now, the old Steve would have took him down and turned that weapon against him and beat him into next year and then called the cops. But because I had learned something, I realized the problem wasn't Gary. The problem was the devil's pushing and driving and motivating and consuming him. So I could stand in the power, oh, hear me, in the power of Jesus' name, not afraid of the weapon, not afraid of the man, and rebuke and curse the devil. And when I rebuked that demon that was in him, the knife fell to the floor. He collapsed like a limp rag, and God did something in him. What am I saying? I'm saying our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is vain imaginations rising up against the kingdom of God. Our battle has its origin in the pits of hell. And the only way to defeat the enemy is through the power of Jesus' name. It's the only way. Nothing else is going to work. Nothing else will accomplish what God wants to do in and through us. We can have the best theology, the most eloquent preachers, the most beautiful buildings, the greatest music. The most wonderful programs that are structured to reach those that are hurting and in need. But if we fail to introduce, if we fail to stand upon, if we fail to proclaim the name that is above every name and the power that's in that name, we're nothing more than a social organization. 
Friends, I came to tell you today, I am in love with the power of God. I believe in the power of God. I believe that my God does all things and he does them well. I believe his arm is not short and his ear is not deaf unto our cry. And when we shout to the wall in the name of Jesus, they will come down. I've come to tell you there is no demon in hell. There is no sickness on the face of the planet. There is no force or opposition that comes against the body of Christ, but what the power of God will defeat. It's up to you and I to recognize that, to operate in that, to allow the Spirit to flow in and through us. You know what Paul said in Ephesians 6, right? He said, put on the whole armor of God. And then he begins to list the armor of God. He first says, put on the helmet of salvation. And that's where most of us stop. Oh, thank you for your grace. My sins are forgiven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm on my way to heaven. But let me tell you something. If that's where you stop, you're going to live a miserable Christian life. You may make it into heaven, but you're going to be defeated and beaten up and bloodied and bruised because of the enemy that's coming at your soul. But if you'll take Paul's advice, put on that helmet of salvation. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Let your loins be girt about with truth. Allow your feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Pick up the sword of the shield of faith, wherewith you quench every fiery dart of the wicked. And pick up the sword of the Spirit that you can attack, which the Bible says is the Word of God. Oh, it's time for somebody in this room to recognize it. You can't go into war if you're not fit and prepared. You can't go into war if you don't have the right equipment. I've come to tell you the Holy Spirit of the living God wants to flow in you and through you. He wants to equip you, empower you, give you a passion and a drive that nothing from the pit of hell will take away from you. You need to understand that every day you're alive, you've got an enemy. And every day you're alive, you've got a battle to fight. It's not a one-time thing. It's day after day. But the good news is, as we concluded last week, greater is he that is in me, John 4, 4, than he who is in the world. Oh, come on, get it in your spirit. Yeah, there's an enemy, but he's already defeated. He's already been knocked down. Jesus has already taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave from him. So today, I can stand and declare, it doesn't matter what old slewfoot throws at me, the answer is the power of God. It doesn't matter matter the attack that comes against me I'm holding up the shield of faith it's going to block it and stop it and then I'm going to take the sword of the spirit and I'm going to attack him come on quit waiting for the devil to come and take the fight to him take the fight to him it's time to recognize we don't have to be got to be careful here my words don't want to say something that would offend you you say well that's the first time you thought that We don't have to be a bunch of complacent Christians who are content with sitting on a seat in a sanctuary for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Because that's the sum total of our relationship with Jesus. We've missed the boat. We may make the boat that gets us to heaven, but we miss the boat of life. Life is about confronting the enemy, taking the fight to him. I love what Patton said. He said, An imperfect plan 
executed with great violence is better than a perfect plan next week. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and say, there's an enemy out there. He's not going to do any more. I'm coming against him in the name of the Lord. What did David say to Goliath? He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And this day will I take your head from your shoulder. This day will I feed your carcass to the birds. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to get a warrior spirit arising in you where you say, I'm a part of a kingdom. That's a kingdom of power. I am not going to be ran over. I am not going to be stomped on. I will not live defeated. I'm a part of the kingdom of power. And the power of God is available through to me and through me by the Holy Spirit of the living God. We've got to come to the place where we cast off the restraints. Oh, we don't like that terminology today. Somebody may get wild if we cast off restraints. I'll never forget when I came here. Had a couple of associates. And they said to me, because I was telling them, we need to stir up the gifts of God in this place. Let the Holy Ghost move in this room. Matter of fact, if you are new in Pentecost, what you heard early in the service was a message in tongues and its interpretation, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. They were saying, you don't want to pray that. Things will get out of hand and it'll get wild and crazy and people will do nutty things. You know what I said? I'd rather deal with a little craziness than deal with a whole lot of deadness. I'd rather deal with a little bit of folks getting out of control than a lot of folks have no control and no desire and no life and no passion and no fire and no zeal. And that's why we sit on the pew and do nothing for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence. There is an attack against us every single day. Even though that devil knows Jesus defeated him, he's not willing to run up the white flag. So it's up to you and I to pick up those weapons of all warfare and take the fight to him. Oh, listen, and you need every part of that weaponry. You need the helmet of salvation. You need the breastplate of righteousness. You need the loins girt about with truth. You need your feet shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need the sword of the Spirit. And you need the shield of faith. You need every bit of it. You need to be completely armed. You see, I believe when you're going into the battle, it's much better to be overarmed than underarmed. You know, if you're, if you're fighting an enemy, an enemy and you only need three bullets to do away with the enemy, there's nothing wrong with taking a thousand bullets with you. If three's all you need, you bring back the 997 for the next fight. But if you're facing an enemy and you need three bullets and you only take one, listen to me. The only thing you're going to do is stir him up. The only thing you're going to do is make him mad. But if you'll put on the whole armor of God and walk in the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you, you will set him to flight. He will be defeated because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's time to recognize, church, our fight is not with anti-Christian forces against the church. Our fight is not with Islam. Our fight is with the devil who inspires that garbage and brings violence to hand. Mark my word, if the church of Jesus Christ doesn't get some backbone and start standing up, we will be ran over. We will be more minimized than we are today. 
But if we will hear the words of the apostles, if we will say to those opposing us, it's better to obey God rather than man. If we will grow some spine and some backbone, they can throw us in the prison. They can beat us all they want. But at midnight, we're going to sing praise and give glory to God. And I've got news for you. The same God that shook that Philippian jail will show up in your life and in mine. And the same God that caused those doors to open up will show up in your life and in mine. And the same God who convicted that Philippian jailer to cause him to say, what must I do to be saved? Will cause those around you to ask the same thing. What must I do? See, the whole purpose of the power of God isn't so that you can be a spiritual superstar. It isn't so you can build fame and reputation. It isn't so that people will follow you around saying, Oh, that's a mighty person. Oh, they're so anointed. Oh, they're so mighty. Folks, if that's your desire, you perverted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me remind you, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Jesus. You need to understand when we adopt the philosophy that it's all about Him and His kingdom is a kingdom of power that flows through me by the Holy Spirit of God, then I can be, I don't have to be afraid of anything. I can confront any enemy that comes against me. I can confront any disease that is against me. I can confront any issue that is troubling me with authority, with assurance, and with power knowing greater is He that is in me. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. My wife doesn't even know this. I haven't said this to anyone. In the fall of 2014, I was having stomach problems. So I went to the doctor. They did some tests and blood work. She called me about three days later and said, the markers say that you have colon cancer. And I said, no, that's not true. It's wrong. Your blood test is wrong. I had a lot of pain in my lower abdomen. It was killing me, driving me nuts. I said, I don't agree with that. I reject that. I'll be back in 30 days. You do the test again. Didn't say a thing to anybody, but I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, if your kingdom is a kingdom of power, if you're truly a healing God, if what she says may be true, then I declare the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. He is all powerful. He is well able. He is able to heal and to deliver. Went back 30 days later. She repeated the block word, called me back in three days. Mr. Dow, we don't understand it, but there are no cancer markers in your blood right now. Oh, come on, somebody. I came to tell you, the devil is a liar. He is defeated, and he was defeated when Jesus Christ died on that cross and rose again from the dead. The kingdom is a kingdom of power. He's simply looking for believers who will step into that authority, who will stop saying, I don't know what to do. Come on, he's got the answer. Who will stop wringing their hands with worry and fret and fright. He's got the answer. You know the greatest tool of the devil against the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of power? It's fear. Fear. Absolutely. When the doctor told me that, there was fear. I I want you to know, it was there. But something else rose up in me and said, we're not going to believe this. We're going to believe the word of the Lord. He sent you here to restore and to grow and to renew Christian Heritage Church. And the devil is not going to destroy you before that gets done. Come on, church. We need to understand he's not given us a spirit of fear. That's what Timothy or Paul said to Timothy. 
but power and love and a sound mind. I want to walk in His power. I want to be bathed in His love. And I want my thoughts to be the thoughts of Jesus Christ. I want every other thought that raises itself up against God to be pulled down and destroyed through the power of Jesus' name. In this place this morning, I've just come to tell you, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I know I didn't get through that outline, didn't even come close, but the great news about preaching in America is all of us know how to read. So you can take that home with you, you can read the scriptures, and you can let the Holy Ghost speak to you from that outline, and He will do it. He will do it. We're going to sing this song, Stand Your Feet With Me. We're going to sing this song one time through. There's power in the name of Jesus. Come on, Tom, lead us out. Make it your cry this morning. Make it your declaration today. There's power in His name. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.